0: Joy, a fruit of the Spirit. As Psalm 118 reminds us, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Indeed, today is a very joyful day for me. After today's service, I will be attending my daughter Mari's bridal shower. And today is an extremely joyful year for me. In May of this year, our second grandchild, River, was born. And as you heard last week, I fully retired from the practice of law. Yay! <laughs> and next month, our daughter Mari will be marrying Kevin Carney. And in October, my husband Frank and I will celebrate 40 years of marriage. So joyful it is. Thank you. While I feel certain that God and Jesus are celebrating all of my joys, I believe that the Bible promises a deeper and more sustainable joy. These joyful life milestones are typically fewer and farther between. I plan to speak of joy from a Christian perspective. It is helpful to put Paul's words regarding joy as a fruit of the Spirit into historical context. Paul had spread Jesus' message of love and faith to the Galatians on at least one other previous visit. Later, Paul became concerned that the Galatians were so focused on the Jewish laws and living according to those strict laws that they were losing sight of the teachings of Jesus. So during the Fruit of the Spirit sermon, Paul explained to the Galatians that God spread his spirit to them through the Messiah, his son, Jesus Christ. Biblical scholars describe Paul's sermon to the Galatians as though Paul were a trial attorney arguing a case to the jury. So today I'll argue my case to you. Paul gave the Galatians a historical context and made the case that God's spirit was available to all of them if they live according to Jesus' teachings and life, not by following the strict Jewish laws such as circumcision. As Paul emphasized at Galatians 2, verse 6, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. Paul explained that God's spirit through Jesus is open to all people, whether Jew, Gentile, Pharisee, whatever nationality and ethnicity. He contrasted living by the flesh against living by the spirit. Paul explained that they should live their lives in freedom, living for God, With Christ living in them. Paul used the metaphor of fruit to visualize this message. The life of God by his Spirit will bear fruit in the tree of a person's life simply because this is what God is like and this is what God produces. Or the Spirit of God which is the spirit of Christ, will make the qualities of the life of Christ grow in a person's life so that they become more and more like Christ, which is God's desire for all of his children. This message fits into the sermon series, Do You Want to Be a Disciple, that Michael and Carl preached the past two weeks and Michael will conclude next week. Jesus invites us to follow him and become his disciples. Throughout the various stages of our lives, if we strive to live according to Christ's invitation and discipleship, we internalize and we internalize the spirit of Christ, we will be living according to to the Spirit of God, and according to the fruit of the Spirit, as Paul defines it in Galatians 5, verse 22, which Lois read, By contrast to the flesh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. This morning, we are focused on one of these fruits of the Spirit, joy. Let's listen again to the Bible passage Lois read from John 15. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, and abide in my love, you will just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love you will excuse me, I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you, and that your you your joy god's joy will be in you, and that joy may be complete. Wow. Jesus teaches us that if we abide in his love as he has abided in his Father's love, we will experience his joy and our joy will be complete. What a wonderful promise. Here's an interesting thing about this joyful promise. It is contained in John's Gospel titled, Jesus, the fruit of the vine. Another fruit reference. In John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, Jesus uses the analogy of a vine and its fruit to convince people that they are to abide in him. He explains that God is the vine grower and he, Jesus, is the true vine. Jesus says, just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. Jesus uses the analogy of bearing fruit to invite people to become his disciples and abide in love so that his and God's joy may abide in us. One of my favorite Christian theologians and writers is Frederick Bickner spelled Buchner, In his book, Listening to Your Life, he writes about joy as follows. At its heart, Christianity is joy, and laughter and freedom and the reaching out of arms are the essence of it. Joy is not the same as happiness, which is person-made, Unlike happiness, we never take credit for our moments of joy because we know that we do not make them and that we are never really responsible for them. These moments of joy come when they come. They're often sudden and quick and unrepeatable, the unspeakable joy sometimes of just being alive, the miracle sometimes of being just who we are with the blue sky and the green grass, the faces of our friends and the waves of the ocean, being just what they are, the joy of release, of being suddenly well when before we were sick, Of being forgiven when before we were ashamed and afraid. Of finding ourselves loved when we were lost and alone. The joy of love, which is the joy of the flesh as well as the spirit. But each of us can supply their own moments. So just two more things. One is that joy is all-encompassing there is nothing of us left over to hate with or to be afraid of or to feel guilty with or selfish about joy is where the whole being is pointed in one direction and it is something that by its nature a person never hoards but always wants to share the second thing is that joy is a mystery because it can happen anywhere anytime even under the most promising circumstances even in the midst of suffering with tears in its eyes even nailed to a tree what jesus is saying is that we are made for joy and that people who are truly joyous, have a right to say they are doing God's will on this earth. Where you have known joy, you have known God. There is no way that I could have described joy any better than Frederick Bickner did. It is God's will that we live joyfully and experience joy. So how and where do we get this Christian joy, this life of deep abiding love where joy abides in us? What does it mean to be Christ's disciple and live in God and Jesus' love with the help of the Holy Spirit? How do we experience that all-encompassing joy where nothing else matters and we feel no pain no regret and no fear simple we follow Jesus's path and become his disciples we learn how to do this from the Bible our life experiences our church ministers and friends our families and our studies I have compiled Eight practices on how to abide in God so that we can live by the fruit of the spirit spirit, and experience joy more often. Number one, make a decision to be open to joy and to choose joy. A few years ago, I attended a meeting where joy was the topic. And I realized that I didn't focus on experience experiencing joy, I started to think about joy, to listen for messages of joy, and to read about joy. At the time, I didn't even realize that joy was a promised fruit of the Spirit, or that if we abide in God's love, we abide in joy. I was living a faithful life, but I was doing it with a serious attitude. What I've learned is to concentrate on joyful moments and feel God's love so that I will be more mindful of experiencing joyful moments. Number two, think about when you feel joyful. In preparation for today's sermon, I thought about when I experienced that all-encompassing, nothing else matters but this moment of joy that Frederick Vickner describes so beautifully. I feel joyful when I am with my extended family, sitting around the dining table, or enjoying a meal outside. I laugh and lose myself with my two sisters like with no one else. I mean true joy. Physical belly laughs where I am so caught up in laughing that there are tears streaming down my face. I feel that all encompassing joy when I purposely say something outrageous, irreverent, or un Melanie like to my adult children and they respond, Mom! I feel deep joy. Looking into a baby's eyes and seeing the baby smile in return or listening to a baby giggle while seemingly not very Christ-like I Feel joy when I am totally enthralled in my winning sports teams games I have been experiencing many moments of joy as the Dodgers have been winning a lot of games this season The joyful moments are all the more intense when they win with walk-off runs. And my favorite season is almost upon us, college football. I choose joy by being a fan of winning teams. Number three, there are quiet moments of joy which are just as joyful but in a different way than the belly laugh loud moments. We can experience joy by focusing on gratitude. Let's listen again to some of the words from Psalm 100, subtitled, A Psalm of Thanksgiving, that Linda shared with us this morning. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness, Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Another example, number four, of quiet joy comes from the theologian and writer Thomas Akempe in his classic book, The Imitation of Christ. He interprets some of Paul's writings in book two of Corinthians as follows. The glory of a good person lies in the approval they receive from a good conscience. If you have a good conscience, you will always have joy within you. A clear conscience can bear a great deal, and though you may suffer adversity, it still brings gladness to your heart. The joy of the just person comes from God and is in God, and they rejoice because they possess The truth. I have felt the quiet yet blissful joy of Jesus' discipleship when I do not react when I am provoked or when I turn the other cheek when I feel hurt or pained by someone's words. For me, not reacting in kind is a joyful experience. Number five. Through the parable of the prodigal son, Jesus teaches us the joy of reconciliation and the joy of forgiveness. As you know, Jesus told the story where the father gave a huge celebration party to share his joy that his wayward son returned home. Think about it. When a family member turns their back on us and defies us, Do we plan a huge celebration party when they return? The father's other son was upset and perplexed that his father would be hosting a celebration for his disobedient brother. He had been so faithful and productive, and yet his father was rejoicing in and celebrating the unfaithful, unproductive son. This parable is an example of the joy of forgiveness. We can experience joy when we forgive or are forgiven. And we can experience joy when we ask God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Number six, many of us experience amazing moments of joy when we are here attending a church service or church celebration. Christopher J.H. Wright, in his book, Cultivating the Fruit of the Spirit, describes the joy he has experienced attending church services so well that I want to share it with you. He writes, Sometimes I am filled with intense joy when I am in church worshiping God with other Christians. There are moments when the words of the scriptures or the music and words of certain hymns and songs are so rich when they remind me so powerfully of what God has done to save me that my heart almost bursts with joy. I know deep down that I could not be what I am or where I am apart from the forgiving grace and daily embracing love of God. And when the worship, especially the music, reminds me of that, there are times I cannot sing because my eyes fill up with tears of joy and my voice is choked up with gratitude toward God. I feel certain that most of us here in church today have experienced these joyful moments right here in this incredibly beautiful church. Number seven. As Christians, we are taught to serve God and to serve others. One of the many things I love about being a member of the Neighborhood Church is that our ministers and our members and friends teach us, as Jesus did, to love and serve God and others. Participating in service is a joyful experience. We lose ourselves and our worries when we focus on others' needs and help them. What a joy. Number eight. Finally, I end this list of ways to experience the fruit of the spirit of joy, and I end this sermon with the most important path to joy, deep abiding faith in God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, no matter what. I will close with the words from the Bible's book of Peter, one of Jesus' disciples. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In this you rejoice, even if now, for a little while, you have had to suffer various trials so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that though perishable, is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ Is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy, for you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. So be it. Amen.